Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. Everybody and welcome in for episode six of Delco Baseball. Now, my name is Brendan Ricciardi. We've got a great episode coming at you today. We'll be joined a little bit later on by Josh Hankins. He's a shortstop for Coppin State University. Got to play in an NCAA tournament this year. He's also a Chichester High School alum. And he's also playing for the Upper Darby Blue Sox. So we got a lot to talk about there. And we will start off as usual by getting into a recap some of the Delco League games from this week, so let's get to it. It's been a little bit since we've been on the air here. We've had four days' worth of games each day having exactly two games except for Thursday. So it's been pretty easy for me to track uh, from that perspective. We'll start off Monday night at Devon Prep. the semifinal rematch between Aston Valley and Wayne. And this was a really good game from the whole time. There were two very good starting pitchers and very good relief pitchers on the mound for both teams. And this one is a 5-3 Aston Valley win. Now, Aston has beat Wayne for two out of their three losses this year. And, you know, they, they've kind of just had their numbers so far. Brian Pazolski, O'Hara alum, who was pitching for New Haven, my old Little League teammate, fun fact, four shutout innings on the mound. And for Wayne, it was Cam Mathis. He was incredible. Six innings pitch, no earned runs, 10 strikeouts. You know, the thing with Cam was when he was at Villanova this year, he was mostly being used as a relief pitcher. So he's coming up here and trying to kind of, you know, ramp up and get that starter's workload. And this is the deepest we've seen him go. And this is the best, you know, we've, we've really seen him this year with 10 strikeouts. And, you know, it was, it was a close game. We had Chris Murphy making his return, to my knowledge, his first game of the year for Aston. One of, if not the best pitcher in the league. He threw three innings, you know, just trying to shake the rust off a little bit. Didn't have his best stuff as we saw at the end of last year in the playoffs. But, you know, he was he was still throwing hard. And he was still having good off-speed pitches. But this was a game where it, this game was over because Wayne was leading 3-1 going to the top of the seventh. And Aston was able to get one run in. And there was a ground ball hit that was misplayed that would have ended the game. But instead, Aston Valley scored two more runs. They got another in the inning. That was four in the inning. And in the bottom of the seventh, Wayne was able to get the first two runners on. But Murphy was able to lock in and secure a big win, 5-3 to three for Aston Valley. Other game on the slate here for this Monday. 
evening was Chester and Narberth that took place at Bonner High School. Now, this game, for anybody that was following the Twitter, Instagram account, so, so we were in the dugout for Wayne, and we saw that Kehoe was pitching for for Narberth. So I, I assumed it was Jackson because I know that he pitches a little bit for Bonner. It turned out it was Tyler who hadn't pitched in, uh, he, he told me, three and a half years, and they needed a starter, and he was really good. He was really good in this game. He did not allow a single run. He threw four shutout innings. He just allowed one hit in those four shutout innings. So credit to him for being able to just kind of get out there and give his team something that they didn't exactly expect, I'm sure. It was a 6-0 Mudcats win. Had some offense. You know, the only extra base hit of the game was from Kehoe as well. He's still hitting that leadoff spot, so good for him. You know, rising rising two-way star of the league. Mike Anderson, I guess you could also consider a two-way star. He had two hits playing first base, and uh, we'll talk in another game this week about him back on the mound. But another guy, Dylan Can Marple, going to NGIT with a big game. He had a hit and two runs batted in. So it's a good win for Narberth, and it's good to take care of business, especially around the teams that are right around you in the playoff picture because as of right now, it, it looks – comfortable for the top three teams in the league to be the top three seeds now Aston still has a lot of games left which we'll get to when we, we talk about the end of the week but it's a good win for Narbert there six nothing and uh that'll wrap up our Monday slate here so let's move into Tuesday we had a championship rematch between Aston Valley and Upper Darby at O'Hara and what an absolute just wild game this was I couldn't believe it when I saw the box score, so it was a 10-9 Aston Valley win, but when, when you look at the box score, Aston scored 8 in the top of the 4th, so that opened up a 10-1 to lead, which held until the bottom of the 6th when they would score, when Upper Darby would score 8 runs in the bottom of the 8th, which is just a hilarious box score when you look at a 10-9 game and 16 out of the 19 runs came in the span of two half innings. It's just Duckle League baseball at its best. But that's just a great game all around right there. Ten to nine. It's funny that Aston out hit Marple fourteen to five. So you gotta wonder if walks were part of the issue for Aston. But Brett Lesher hit a double in this game for for the Aston Valley Knights. He's shortstop at University of Delaware. Sammy Berman, Josh Hankins, both still doing their thing at the top of that upper Derby lineup. Mike Costello, we have another two-way player here. He's been a great pitcher so far for upper Derby. He'll be heading to Millersville in the fall, but he gets in this game. He's got a double here. This is just two really good teams, and it's it's unusual to see Aston Valley in a game with both teams, you know, scoring this many runs and also letting up this many runs. So it's good for them to be able to start to build up some wins here, and it's not that they were like necessarily struggling as much as where they just like haven't played a lot of games yet. I think at the time of this recording, this is Thursday night here at the end of their week, they've only played 13 games. So they still have a little over half of their season. And you go around and you look at teams like Wayne's already played 19 games. Springfield has got to be up there as well. So it's kind of just funny how it's worked out with scheduling and rainouts and, and whatever it's needed. But Aston Valley gets a little bit of revenge. They win this game by a score of 10-9 to over Upper Darby. We'll move on to the other game of the day here. Springfield taking down Marple Newtown at 
Church Road Park, 13-5, the final score there. It's a good start on the mound for Troy Machete, but the real story of the day here was Kyle Calderero. Three innings pitched, no hits, no runs. Picked up a strikeout, but he really was able just to get out of it with, with trusting his defense. He only had one walk there. He was throwing strikes. He was letting them do the work, and it paid off. Here's a 13-5 win. Luke Cantwell drove in two. Reed Farrell drove in two. Cole Palace and Sean Phelan from Penn both drove in two. It was a real offensive outburst there, 13 runs for the Colonials. And not a great look for Marple, but Nick Sorelli, which is a little bit of a foreshadow here, start of a great week for him. He homered in this game. He had two hits, uh, also had a base hit in this one. He's been swinging a hot bat recently. Uh, U-Sciences, Haverford High School alum right there. Jim DiCarlo and CJ Castalis knocking in a run. But it was a 13-5 win for Springfield. They take care of business in that one. All right, we are halfway done here, so we'll get into our Wednesday games here. We had a thriller between Upper Darby and Marple Newtown. As I like to say, the Battle of the Sox. It, you know, when you have, usually it's the Red Sox and the White Sox in Major League Baseball. But sometimes they can be black and blue. And this was a 2-1 to one game. Really good pitching from Jack Campbell. You might recognize that name from the state championship for the Haverford School. He got the start on the mound, usually more of a reliever for Haverford, but, you know, he, he stepped up and he did a great job. And in this game against the Blue Sox, through three shutout innings just to get things started here. And it was it was a 2-1 to one game. Michael Costello, uh, Millersville commit, and Aiden O'Brien from Wider both pitched a gem for Upper Darby. They only allowed four hits total, one earned run. And Sammy Berman, Andrew Yates, and Adam Fine all had two hits. Andrew Yates, the only extra base hit of the day, he was on the box score in a big way. He had a run scored and a run driven in. So in a 2-1 game, it's pretty noteworthy there. But Marple Newtown, man, we're going to just talk about them for a second. I might I'll, I might wait after, until after I talk about uh, the game with Wayne because I actually got to watch that one before I go in a little bit more. But they're they're getting so close, man. Like, I, I do feel for them. But we'll, we'll save that one for a little bit. Upper Darby takes this one by a score of 2-1. to one. Not too much else to talk about in that one. Went over to Monsignor Bonner here, where Devin Prep was unavailable, so Wayne was the home team here, which is funny because earlier in the year, Narberth was the home team in the game at Devon. So we're switching things up here. It was David Ferguson on the mound for Wayne and Michael Anderson on the mound for the Mudcats. David Ferguson, a pit pitcher, he will be transferring to Westchester. He got the start here. He went three strong innings, but the biggest story from this one, and I have no idea if Dave is listening to this or not, but Dave threw up behind the mound after two and two-thirds innings of, I don't know if he was feeling sick or if it was dehydration or something, and he stayed out to get the final out of the inning. He just immediately came off. He's like, I can't do this anymore. And it was, it was. I'm going to try and stay away from the cliches. You know, it was gutsy, I guess you want to say that. Uh, he really threw up a great performance there, but, you know, he he still gave us three strong innings, which was big, and, and that threw Tommy Bradley in the mix there in what would – Eventually be a 7-4 to four Wayne win, but this this was a nail-biter, man. It, it came down to, in the top of the 7th, Wayne was holding a 7-2 to lead. They let up two runs, bases loaded, no outs, and Narberth was in business here. But Billy Ford came in for the save. He was able to close things out and capture a 7-4 to win, which ended a little two-game skid for Wayne. You know, nothing nothing crazy, but when you're, you know, the team's sitting at 15-3, and three, like a two-game losing streak, is a big deal in terms of the chunk of the season and and what things have, you know, transpired so far. So that's a 7-4 win 
for Wayne here. And we'll stay with Wayne as we go talk about that Marple Newtown Black Sox game. And what a game this ended up being with two big home runs in this game. So fast forward in this game is 2-2. Two to two, And Stephen Wells hits a no-doubter to right field. That's his fourth long ball of the year for the 2021 Delco League Most Valuable Player during the regular season. And Nick Sorelli hit another home run. He's staying red hot this year. The dugout was acknowledging it. He hit a laser to left field, tied the game up 4-4. And fast forward to the bottom of the seventh, it was Sean Mahalan. That's right, the interim manager of the day with Brian Feely away at the Big 26 Showcase. Shawnee hit a walk-off sack fly to dead center, first pitch. And that captured another win for Wayne, trying to build another winning streak back up. And, you know, when I, when I talk about this league and stuff, like, I want people to understand that I am absolutely unbiased in the way that like when I write power rankings and you know when I try and do my best to analyze what I see from different teams but like I am 100% rooting for Wayne to win and and I said the same thing last year when I I did a different variation of this show and I was playing for Upper Darby it's like I'm going to talk about the whole league but it's like if you're on a team you're going to root for them so I'm, I'm still trying to find that that balance because I don't really think anybody like has a problem with that because it's it's you know just a different perspective it's kind of like Draymond Green has you know his own podcast like different guys have ones have shows that they they talk about what's going on in games and once I'm healthy again I, I plan on doing that next year as well but it was a five to four win for Wayne here and I said I would talk a little bit more about Marple and man they are playing a lot better they've lost a couple of one run games I believe both times that we've beat them lately they were by two runs. We have beaten them five to four. We beat them four to two, and then you know games earlier in the season uh, were a little more than that. But they're playing a lot better. And they had Chris Apito starting on the mound today. He is an upper Derby pitcher. He's going to NC State after his senior year of high school next year, so he's still got one year left. He's played in this league a couple times as a hitter, but I think just due to various showcase teams tournaments whatever he was doing that he didn't throw here much but those are kind of starting to wind down as guys are starting to go back into the delco league so chris started on the mound today he had 11 strikeouts in this game the result did not go in his favor he had a couple of earned runs but 11 strikeouts is 11 strikeouts no matter how you slice it It was a very impressive performance only two walks as well so he was always around the zone and for wayne it was aiden weitzel Five strong innings. He allowed one earned run. Joe Peluso came in, Westchester alum, to get the final two innings. And Aiden Weitzel missed most of the year at Widener because of an arm injury, but he's been pitching very well lately, trying to build back up and be ready for this this stretch run. He's did a good job at that so far. I mentioned Stephen Wells had the homer. Luke Mutz and Nate Sides, that middle of the infield, that one-two in the order. They had a combined four hits and nine hits overall. For the Wayne offense, it was a decent day at the ballpark there. Uh, overall, pretty clean game. Three errors combined. That was that was it, but it was a good game. It was dramatic, and it's showing me that Marple Newtown is very much still alive, even if the result hasn't shown up at a win yet. As we talked about in the last episode, there's a wild card game now. So if you show up to a wild card game with a team that's motivated and playing well and have pitchers like Chris Apito and Corey Woodcock that could potentially be throwing – then you might have something that you can that you can build off of and potentially sneak one by. But for right now, gotta just worry about getting that first win on the board. 
All right, second game of the night here will take you to Upper Darby versus Chester. It's an 8-3 to Upper Darby win here. Starting to heat up here. That is now seven wins in the last eight games for the Blue Sox. Starting off on the mound, Zach Taylor, three and two-thirds, one hit, zero earned runs and seven Ks. Great performance out of the bullpen for the Cabrini pitcher. On the offensive side of the ball, Luke Boscalia had a triple. Max Anastasio with two doubles and two runs batted in on the day. Andrew Yates once again getting on the board. He's got two runs batted in in this game. And Gilbert Peralta making a return for Chester at shortstop. He had two hits. He had a triple here. A couple Cabrini guys getting things done here for today. But it seemed like a pretty handled Blue Sox win here. They were up 8-3 to three in the top of the third inning. And that was all they would need. That's what the game would end at after five and a half innings due to darkness. It was a very slow-moving game. Those first few innings must have been pretty pretty packed on the base pass, but nice win, 8-3 to three for Dave Jordan and the boys. Is That that second-place race is heating up between Springfield and Upper Darby, and as I said earlier, Springfield has played a lot of games, and other teams are finally starting to catch up with them, so it's going to be a heated race. Upper Darby and Springfield do not play each other anymore, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do against other teams and what their strength of schedule looks like going forward. All right, last game of the night here. We had Narberth versus Aston. I do not have any game-changer information to speak of for that game, but what I do have is my guy Dylan Everly, Aston Valley Knights skipper, sending me some updates here. We'll start Kyle Maxwell, complete game shutout in a 5-0 win for Aston Valley. He went seven innings. He struck out four and allowed four hits. And, man, when, when you face Kyle Maxwell, you're looking at a guy who throws four pitches all for strikes. He knows exactly what he wants to do. He throws hard, don't get me wrong. Like, he, he's not always, like, gassing it by you. But being able to locate the other three pitches, man, he is he is tough to pick up, and he's got a really good changeup. He was helped out offensively by Brett Lesher once again, the Delaware shortstop. He had two singles and a double for the Knights and uh, this text said Q, so I'm assuming Q is still Quentin Ivy from last year. He was their right fielder. I got him with one for two and a two RBI single, and threw out a runner from right field tagging from second. So good for, so good for, uh, good for Q right there. I don't really think I've seen him much in the lineup so far this year. Perhaps he was down playing somewhere else in a different league and has come back. But for Aston Valley, they are one of the teams that have not played many games. They've played 13 games. So you got 11 games left to get these guys, Murphy, Ivy, whoever, Sean Hout, like these guys that have been here a lot but not the whole season, this eligibility to be able to play in the playoffs. Now, if you want my honest, unbiased opinion, this, this goes for every team, I feel like six is not enough personally because that's, you know, it's a quarter of the season. And for pitchers, I get it because – they are they're starting and that's you know just like a normal normal rotations worth but for some guys it's like i don't know i wish people were here for more of the regular season just for maybe for my my own sake for content but whatever whatever it may be i just like seeing guys that are there the whole regular season playing the playoffs and that's not a shot at anybody at all and getting into this league you know the playoffs are great once it comes along and that's been that way for a while so what ain't what ain't broke don't fix it but that's a nice 5 nothing win for Aston Valley. That's a four-game win streak for them as they're starting to rack some up here and get potentially, I, I wouldn't say that the second seed is out of reach for, for anybody 
besides, I would say, Marple, Chester. And it would be tough for Norbert just because of how many teams they'd have to leapfrog. But Aston Valley is right in that mix there, and they're battle-tested. They made it to Game 5 in the finals last year, and, and they're here for a reason. All right, well, I guess that'll wrap up the Delco League talk here for for the week games. I'll have another one out, most likely Sunday night, Monday, talking about some draft stuff, talking about some showcases uh, around the area and, and what I can do to help promote that. But for right now, let's get into this interview here with Josh Hankins. I was having some microphone issues here. I'm working to get them fixed. So for now, I'm just using the computer audio for interviews. It doesn't sound too bad. It sounds a little bit more like you know both sides are coming from the same thing. Usually, I just use my mic to record and, and them for Zoom audio. But for right now, let's get into it. All right, we are now joined by Josh Hankins, a Chichester High School alum who just finished his first year at Coppin State University. Josh, thanks for taking the time to come on. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Of course, man. Anytime. So you just finished up a very productive freshman season at Coppin State that saw a conference championship and the first ever NCAA tournament appearance. So first off, congratulations for that. Thank you. So what does it mean for you to kind of you know go into a program like this, which hasn't really been on the big stage? and kind of be able to be a big part in making that happen right away. Yeah, it's it's pretty big. Um, just going there knowing that, obviously, they didn't have the greatest records. Obviously, they didn't play in the greatest, um, like, conference. But just going in there and just trying to make a difference, like, that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I did it in high school, too. That's that's just, like, my plan for everything is just to make a big difference. I also saw you guys just changed conferences, right, recently? Yeah, we're in the NEC now. Who else uh... – will kind of like be the new teams that you'll be playing. I think uh so Bryant was in there. They're moving to Long Island's in there. I think they're staying in Sacred Heart. Um I don't even know the other teams. I think they're in like Fairfield. Okay. So teams like that. I think there's there's a couple more but the other three teams that are in our that were in the MEAC are moving over too. So That's cool. Uh yeah. I definitely want to start off talking about the NCAA tournament. Because you go from playing in, you know, like a smaller public school like Chichester to going to play in East Carolina with one of the craziest atmospheres. What was like playing in front of that crowd like? It was awesome. I dreamed of it. I mean, coming from Chai, like my hometown, I love like representing here because that like like I said, like that was my goal. I wanna show out for Chai and that place was nuts. That place was crazy and I, I loved every bit of it. It was awesome. Yeah, one thing I didn't kind of realize about, you know, college baseball is, like, how serious down south kind of takes it. You know, Carolina, like, even they even have, like, those tailgates before. It seems cool. Big time, yeah. They're, they have a barstool ECU thing that they were, like, pretty much talking shit on us the whole entire time. But it was awesome. I, the fans are awesome, too. It was It was pretty cool. Yeah. Now, from a personal standpoint, I remember early in the year, the first time I saw was that you had a five-hit game against Albany. So, like, how were you able to make that transition so quickly to the D1 pitching early in the year? I mean, it was our coaches, honestly. I mean, playing the Chai High, like, with our, with the teams that were in our conference, like Chester, like, we didn't face no good pitching at all. But they gave me a shot, and they trusted me, and I went there and trusted them, and it worked out pretty good. Now, did you play, like, for any, like, travel or showcase teams in high school to kind of get the more experience, like, hitting that good pitching that you wouldn't see in high school? 
Yeah, I mean, I, not a lot of people know about us, but like Delco Vandals is just like a hometown group team and uh, team clutch too. Um, my dad was a coach for that, and uh, a couple of my best friends' coaches were there too. But they just got us out in front of schools, pretty much. That was like their goal, and then just emailing, getting videos out was the main goal. Now I remember your your dad had actually uh, messaged me because I wrote one of the articles about you back in the spring. And he was very appreciative of it. Uh, so he seems to be very involved in the whole baseball aspect, right? Yeah, for sure. And you have a younger brother still playing. Is that right? At, at Chai? Yeah. Yeah, he's at Chai right now, too. I, he's going into his last years. So I'm hoping he can get to a school, too. But we'll see what happens. Any chance you guys can play together? That would be pretty cool. We'll see. Yeah. I can't say nothing, but we'll see. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to get you any trouble here. All right, let's move <laughs> on to this summer a little bit. So you, you were playing in it's the ACBL, right? Correct. How was that uh, experience playing for them? Um, it was good. The, I loved uh, the coaches there, the players there. It was just hour and a half drive, two hours every night to go down there, come back, not get home until 12, 1 in the morning. And I, I just felt like Delta League was just – it's just the same competition, if not better. And it's closer to home, and I love the guys that are there. So it was win-win for me. Yeah, I was, I was actually wondering what, like, is the competition that similar, would you say, or is it more like college kids in the league you're in? Yeah, I think in the ACBL, there's more college kids that are playing. Like, obviously, in the Delco League, there's people that aren't even playing college, but they're still good. But the pitching in the Delco League, I think, was – I think it's the same. I mean, there's kids in the ACBL that are at, like, small D1s. Like, but up here in Delco League, if you go and face a kid from Westchester, Millersville, they're, they're, they're D1. I mean, they're just as good, so – yeah, I think the league, the Delco League, really picked up in 2020 when all the other main college leagues were out. And then, you know, you look at Wayne has, I think, like maybe five or six like future draft picks on that team. And then yeah. since then, you know, even tonight we had a kid going to Rhode, Rhode Island versus a kid that was just at Pitt. Like, it's getting it's getting pretty good. Yeah. What game was that, Rhode Island and Pitt? Uh, so Narber starting pitcher Mike Anderson for Bonner is going to Rhode Island. And oh. then – our starting pitcher from Wayne, Dave Ferguson, he went to Pitt, but he's going to Westchester next year. So, you know, yeah. we got guys we got guys bringing it up. It's nice. I love it. And it, it helps me so much, too. Obviously, we're playing in the MEAC and um, going into the NEC. I know, like, our the pitching that we face isn't, like, it's good, but it's not, like, Pitt, obviously. You know what I'm saying? So, just getting that experience is also helps me a lot. Now, when you were in that NCAA tournament, how big of, like, a step up was that pitching from teams like ECU and Coastal compared to what you'd usually see? Like, was it a big adjustment? Yeah, I think it, I think it was a pretty good adjustment. But we trained. So after we won our tournament, we, we still practiced for another week and a half, I'm going to say. And we have – obviously, we have machines and a lot of other things that can help us get there. But when we're pumping it up, I mean, we're just a team that – we're gritty and we work really hard, so – I mean, I think it was, it was, it was a difference, but nothing like that I couldn't handle. Yeah, yeah. I think is there anything else you want to say about your program as a whole for people that might not really know much about you guys? Yeah, um, I know that a lot of people don't hear of us or think we're like a small school, but we're obviously we just made it to a regional. We're a real gritty team. Um, we're, it's like a brotherhood there. That's like the coolest thing. We all love each other and play for each other. But getting at the stage that we're at right now just helps like the recruits that are coming. I mean, we were good last year, but I think we're going to be 10 times better next year. Yeah, dude. Sometimes all it takes is that one run 
you know, exactly. whether it's regional, you know, going even further, like to get people to be like, all right, like this is legit. You see them on the big stage now. Exactly. Yeah. We even have, I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. Cause I'm not the coach obviously, but I'm pretty sure we have some transfers coming in from like a way bigger schools than us just because from here and about us. So. I think that the transfer portal in baseball is, is getting more interesting, especially with like the NIL stuff now as it's well. Like, it's, it's basically like NBA free agency when that it time is. hits, you know? Yeah, and I I would have conversations with my parents just like I don't even understand why some kids go in there. I know it's just it, – it really is like free agency. Like you see a kid like Tommy White, just for example, like you're you're getting drafted. You know you are, but you just want to go play for LSU just for what, you know, the experience, I guess. Yeah, not completely understandable. All right, let's talk a little bit of Delco League here because you are back with the Upper Derby Blue Sox. I don't know if you remember, I was actually with them last year. Yeah, Wait, I not across – Cross pass probably a couple games, but yeah. you know that's a team that is coming off their first ever championship, and you know the roster is looking like it could it could make another run. For sure, yeah, I'm uh, I love those guys. They're they're awesome, but um, yeah, we're ready to go. Um, I love the team, and uh, just looking for more wins. Yeah, I love playing for Dave Jern because he's just so old school. It just makes me laugh just whenever he. <laughs> he is. He is fun. He is fun. Yeah. You know, you guys, you've had a hot start. You've already had two homers on the year. Who else has been playing pretty well for you guys since you got there? Um, pretty Honestly, it's like our whole lineup. We had a lot of guys that are, like, going in and out, obviously. But I think you just posted, like, Connor Campbell played for us a couple nights ago, and he goes three for three. So, I don't know. It's it's just, like, about, uh, like, the vibe of the game. Like, tonight we played uh, Marple Newtown, and it was only 2-1, but a win's a win. So, it was just, it was just, like, a weird game. I don't know if you've ever played at that field, but it was like weird field. So, yeah, was, uh, I have thankfully I've not played the infield. I was just a DH in the game where I played there. It was scary playing shortstop today. It really was. Yeah, it, that, I was it, hoping a ball wasn't going to get hit to me. Yeah, no, it's it's not pretty there. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. So, I think one one thing I've been asking a lot of these guys here was about the time commitment when it comes like to college baseball. Like, was there a moment when you kind of got there and realized like you're not in high school anymore. Like this is almost like a full-time job. hundred percent. I would, I think the first week I was down there, I was texting my dad and I'm just like, this is nuts. Like compared to high school, like my body hurts. I, I don't feel like waking up in the morning to hit batting practice every single day, but it, it definitely paid off. Definitely worked out. And I'm just, I'm so thankful that my coaches like tell me what, like what's real and what's going to happen. So yeah, I think people, you know, like when we're younger, you know, the off season is like for people to play another sport or it's just like, you know, yeah, I don't think people realize how important fall college baseball is in terms of playing time and just preparation. Yeah, especially in the fall, like you're fighting for a spot, even though like it's inner squads and practices, like your practices is like a game. Like you have to be ready in practice. Like I compete so hard in practice. It's just like I feel like that's what helped me on my job. Or just kind of just treating it like, you know, like it is a competition, like it's a game. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, just I know other kids go out there and just like, yeah, it's practice. But like I go out there, like, look, look at like it's a game, like be ready and you you will get a spot like that. Yeah. Uh, so do you do you train anywhere around here in the offseason? Um, not really. I mean, I'm just playing some bar now and I also have a job, but I train uh, during the winter. I was at Ascent for like two weeks. So I was just trying to hit in there and get like below off the machine and stuff. But as of right now, just playing 
summer ball. I've always liked to send just because of the atmosphere there. Like, you know, it's not that other gyms are good. It's like, it's usually all baseball players. And then you can go out and kind of just, you know, talk to different people about their experiences. That's half the reason I do this show anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's like a preference pretty much. Like if you think like you need to work on something, like I think 90% of it is in, in game. Like I, I just want to get my bats and feel, feel the zone, like feel counts. Like I just think that's what helps me get better. Yeah. Now, do you have like a, like a specific approach, you know, going into the box, like every time, like something that like, even, you know, baseball wise, or even just anything mental that kind of helps you stay relaxed? Yeah. Well, first it's definitely all mental. I mean, I think it's 90% mental. Like I chew gum before I go on the box just to calm myself down. Like that's just like what I do. But when I get in there, I'm just looking for a fastball pretty much. And if you float a curveball in the zone, then I'm just going to hit it. But I think what's been working out for me recently is just like playing um, like my first year in college. Like it just helped me so much with like knowing counts. Like I, I think I'm so smart in the box. Like I know a pitch is coming 90% of the time. So I think it's all just about feeling like how much you play. Yeah. It seems like you're not, you know, short of confidence when you're playing. Where does that come from? Just your training and preparation? Yeah. I think like, just like I'm saying, like where I grew up, like, Obviously, my dad obviously told like, grow up, be gritty, be hungry, like, show confidence, show that you want to be there. Like, when I showed up as a freshman, I, I'm in my head, like, obviously, nobody knows me that much, but I'm going in there to get a job. Like, sorry if I'm hurting feelings, but that's, I'm going in there to win. So, just as growing up in child, that's just been my whole motto. And especially, you know, starting at shortstop as a freshman wasn't easy, too. So, you definitely had to overcome some obstacles on that way. Yeah, um, we had a shortstop, Eddie Javier. I mean, he's probably not going to watch this, but he was he's really good. And then we had a transfer from St. Mary's. I played with all year. He's playing second. And Bryant came from Bryant University. So it was stacked middle infield, but you just got to be gritty, win the job, and work hard. So what are you guys bringing back next year that's going to, you know, like of your returning guys that's going to, you know, keep it alive? We're the only – Part that we're really losing is our three outfielders and our all of our three starting outfielders are going they're all seniors we have one kid marcos castillas playing pro ball um i'm not sure what league it's in but it's like indie pro ball but which is still a step but all of our all of our main guys are all of our pitchers are coming back all of our infielders are coming back we have some transfers pitching that we need to really really badly so i think we're going to be even better yeah, if there's anything you take from those regionals is you need arms on arms, especially if you lose a game, to battle all the way back. Especially, yeah. When we were down, I don't even know what the score was, to Coastal 10-2 to two maybe. And they – I don't know if they thought the game was over. like, But they just threw in one of their back-end bullpen arms, and then we just started hitting them. And I just feel like for our team, like, you need back-end bullpen guys that can come in there and still get it done, just for reasons like that. Yeah. So – and you didn't mention it, but that was, I believe, your first college home run in that game, right, against Coastal? Yeah. How yeah. was that having that my first home run on ESPN? <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. I didn't, like, it's still, like, a blackout to me. Like, I, I can watch a video, and I'm like, okay, but rounding the bases, like, it was great. We only had a little small section of fans because we're not a big school. So as I'm rounding the bases, I'm pointing up to them. I'm, I'm happy. I'm just like, whatever. Even if we lose, we made it, and we're playing hard, so. Yeah, and, and 
it was funny. So I played for the club team at Penn State, and we made it all the way down to the World Series. I got hurt before it started, but we were playing um, we were playing LSU in the first round, and our club has usually been pretty good. They had just made the World Series for the first time, and then we had knocked them out, and we were all just together yeah, Applebee's after because they were just happy that they made it there for the first time, and you know, yeah, big step for the program, and we were happy we won. So it's like those, you know, those steps like that, you know, it helps build for the long run. Hundred percent, yeah. Especially like even when you know you're like an underdog team, like you know you can go in there and they're not even trying. You know what I'm saying? Like coastal, they're thinking, yeah, we're just gonna walk by these guys, and we just we weren't the team to like let it happen. Yeah. So, what are some goals? I guess both for you and for the team next year that you're kind of working, you know, towards in the off season. Yeah, team goal is definitely get back to regional and not. I mean, our goal this year was get there regional, but we want to win. We know we can win because we just played Coastal. And I don't think, like, they're good, but I don't think they were, like, a whole level above us. So I, I definitely want to get back there. But um, individual goals, I kind of just want to hit better. I mean, I don't have, like, awards, but I only hit, like, 260, and I feel like I could have definitely hit 300. But just learning, like, even playing summer ball, just learning the zone, like, knowing what you have to do, like, it just gets me better every day. So. I think I think I'm in good shape for next year. All right, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck at that. I do not wish you the best of luck in winning a Delco League championship because I'm not with the Blue Sox anymore. But yeah, we're coming. Yeah, we are I, coming. I, I do have a feeling that uh, it could be us in the end because when we played that game on, uh, geez, what day was that? Sunday. Like those are two very talented rosters. Very. Yeah. I don't. And I'm. I meant to ask you. I don't remember who that first baseman is. I don't even know his name, but that kid can hit. Yeah, his name is Stephen Wells. He actually used to play uh, pro ball for a little bit as well. Um, okay. I don't That's know if I've ever seen him hit. A, I don't know if I've ever seen him hit a ball opposite field in his life. But I mean, poor Andrew Yates almost got his head taken off. Yeah, I know. I was playing short on one of the balls that he hit. Like I'm, I'm thinking, like it's like two or three balls off the plate outside, and he's just pulling them like hundred. I'm like, yeah. What are you supposed to do? He swings a thirty-five, thirty-five. Are you? That's well. That's why. And he's strong. So. It's literally a tr- it's he's swinging a tree trunk. It's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you again for taking the time uh, to come That's on the show here. I'm sure we'll be seeing you throughout the summer here. Hundred percent. Thank you. I appreciate Take it. Take care. All right, thank you once again to Josh Hankins for joining the program today. Really enjoyed talking to him. You know, real, as he said, a real gritty guy. Had to work really hard to get where he's at. And I really like his mentality of how he approaches the game and how he approaches competition. You know, it's, it's very admirable. And I wish him the best going forward. Like I said, maybe not with the Blue Sox this summer because they're the dark side now. But, you know, the rest of his college baseball career and whatever comes of that. And that will bring an end here to episode six of Delco Baseball. Now, if you don't already, make sure you toss us a follow. Instagram and Twitter at Delco Baseball. It's also a Facebook page because you know what? The adults love baseball in this area too. I've noticed that the parents love keeping up with this kind of stuff too. And that's really cool to me as well. But if you made it this far, thank you so much for staying the whole time, listening to me rant about baseball. And we will see you next time.